0: Good morning. The Lord's blessing be upon you this morning. It's out of His uh, grace and mercy, His blessings that we can gather here. So welcome visitors and all those that made it. This morning to worship with us, it is always a, a tremendous um, blessing. If we weren't be, if we were not be creatures of uh, habit and familiarity, I believe we would often marvel at the grace and the love of God in our lives. So. I trust you came this morning with hearts prepared, hearts ready. Hearts ready to shape, hearts ready to be molded. For, uh, we want to speak about the Word of God here. And we know that the Word of God is powerful. It um, it cuts us under soul and spirit, bond and marrow, if we let it. And hopefully through all that we can... Uh, we can come closer to the Lord and find ourselves in His presence. So this morning, I want to talk about um, witnessing the love of God in our lives, I should say, praising our Redeemer. And um, it's something that just came to me a few days ago of believers, God's people being vessels of the goodness of God, the glory of God, and these blessings flowing out, what we talk about in the opening, God doing his work in us, and uh, we, yes, we, we do through action, but also through our lips, bring forth the praises of God. That's, I think what's the last song we sang, the, the second verse, Thy bountiful care what tongue can recite. It breathes in the air, it shines in the light, it streams from the hills it descends to the plains and sweet, sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. The goodness of God, the God's mercy in our life. We will... The, the, the life that he puts in us will come forth, will gush forth of our lives if we submit our hearts to him. So I want to pray. Can we stand for prayer this morning before the Lord? <clears throat> Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of our Lord Jesus. We want to first of all thank you, Lord, for this time here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy, for your faithfulness that is new every morning. And, Lord, we pray that we can walk therein. We pray, Lord, that we do not take for granted these blessings. We do not take for granted, Lord, your mercy, your love, your salvation. So we can sing to you, our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. Lord, we pray that these words we hear today will be alive in us. We pray, Lord, that we may see how much we do need you. And, Lord, we pray that your words may come forth in us, that we may be a witness, Lord, of your love, of your grace. And, Lord, we pray that as, as men look at us, that we may reflect you, Lord, in all humility, knowing that without you, we would be lost. So we pray, Lord, that you be here with us this morning, We pray your blessing on the word that comes forth. We pray, Lord, that you may receive the honor and the glory. We pray, Lord, that the enemy has no room in our hearts. And in this room, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you may teach, that you may bring forth truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we, we are a culture and a people that put a lot of weight on works. Shauks avondelah. And there's a lot of truth behind it. I am not belittling that. Without works, faith is dead. We are how should i say we are who we are there's there's no we're strong believers of that what we pursue is what we are so we generally look at works and then we make our assumptions or maybe even sometimes our judgments um but i want to point out here this morning that we can also get lost in that point of view, and it's not necessarily a conservative, a conservative, conservative view, or that will keep us. But it can actually actually be quite liberal, and packed with false securities. We can hide behind our actions. We can hide. We can hide behind. Our community, we can hide behind our church, we can hide behind our dress code, and um, what is there then? We can have all kinds of traditional practices, of biblical practices, but if Christ does not show forth in our lives on a continual basis, then it is that works. And remember, I love works. If if I would have works that are contrary to what I say, you would immediately know that I'm fake. But today I want to focus on the fruit of the lips. To remind us that it's real and shows and is evident what the heart actually worships. We, we say these things, and with, I will usually say it. <laughs> if I worship the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth, and I have committed my lives to him, my life to him, and he has promised that he will be part of my life, that he will put his spirit in us, something will change in us. We will not stay the same. Not only our actions will our actions change, but also our speech. Because there's no treasures in our hearts. Romans chapter 10 verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you and in, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with what the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is great power in confessing with our mouth what's happening in our heart. The reflection of Christ, of Christ should come forth from a believer in every Conduct and action. It should also be a part, a fruit of our lips. <laughs> First Peter fifteen, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, "Be holy, for I am holy." In all our conduct, different place in the Word in King James it says. All your conversation, which also means speech, conduct, everything, (coughs) is holy. So for our text this morning, I want to read a verse from Psalm 19. And I would like you to go there. And we're going to pretty much the whole time stay in Psalm 19. But I want to look at verse 14 and elaborate on it a little bit. And um, then we look at the rest of the chapter. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. This verse... Is a testimony and a prayer all in one. One is that the words, the prayer is that the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart are acceptable to God. That they are purified and holy. Now, we probably just skip over pretty much this verse and it's always a nice verse for plaque on the wall. But I see that as a prayer. And, and if we study into Scripture, if you look at the Word of God, what makes for holy words, for words that are acceptable to God, takes a regenerated and a pure heart. And the meditation. He also prays for the meditation of his heart to be pure. And of course, the confession and testimony, which we heard in the opening, that God is his strength and redeemer. Now, we generally make these confessions behind a song or a prayer. But rarely just a simple confession as owning it. And I know it's hard. I know a lot of times it's hard putting it together with humility. And for fear of self-exaltation. But David wasn't fearful of that. He made that confession. He said, you are my strength, O Lord. You are my strength, my Redeemer. These, These are not just words. He took the Lord God Jehovah as his strength, where he finds his strength. His daily strength, and that He is His Redeemer. And how much more reasons do we have this morning, today, to talk about our God as our Redeemer? And whose fault is it if He's not our strength and our Redeemer? If He's not my strength and my Redeemer, it's my fault, not His. He is faithful and true in all His ways. So when I direct the choir, one of the first things I do is remind the members that we're not just young people here, usually young people or even the community choir, just entertaining people. We don't just add entertainment to the people. We don't try to bring good time because there is no shortage of entertainment especially nowadays. But singing those songs, is what I usually tell them, is either a testimony of our life, something that the Lord has done, something that we've accepted. It's either a testimony of our life or a prayer. I believe every serious believer that surrenders to Christ will sing a song in that way. It's either going to be a testimony of what the Lord has done or it's going to be a prayer. Therefore, the choir then ministers to the audience. We minister to their hearts. And the audience, either they identify with the prayer or the testimony. However, it's only reality if the choir can truthfully minister the words of the song on these two bases, a prayer or a testimony. And I know I, I was in a choir and I felt the Lord speaking so strongly and being so present. I, I sing in tears. And <clears throat> it can be very powerful if we, let, if we worship from our heart, especially when we worship and testify who God is and what he has done in our life. It's powerful. <clears throat> I've also noticed, I've done choir directing for years and years, as you know. And I notice that every time when the choir ministers to the people, there is a silence. There is even somewhat of an awe in the room. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing when young people, especially can minister to the church it's it's beautiful it's like flowers in spring it's something that we should that we need to esteem it's something that we should hold dear <clears throat> so words have power look just look at your words the last 24 hours the last week hardly can remember that But just look at our words the last 12 hours. They are usually a telltale of what's going on inside of us. When we hear the words like, it's just talk. It's because the words don't match the heart or the action. When Jesus spoke, the people marveled at the authority on which he spoke. The words were life, and he spoke the heart of his father. Jesus said in Luke Luke 6, 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of his heart his mouth speaks. Have you ever observed conversations now remember again we hold dear to being a witness works being faithful serving we we're all on the same page and that but there's something about words that gives us any An insight of what's happening inside of our hearts. Have you ever sat in a living room or a coffee room. And there's all kinds of chatter. this and that, pigs, land, dresses. I'm not going to leave the ladies out of here. All kinds of talk going on. And then you start speaking about the word of God. And there's Silence. Like heads drop you, you don 't hear people talk now, we also have to give grace there that there's a reverence there. you just don't want to talk any But I feel if the working of Christ again, the working of Christ, a Creator God, is going on in our hearts and changing our lives there's something to add. To the conversation. There's something to witness. There's something to confirm. And I'm not pushing for just talk and chatter on biblical terms. Usually it's, it's again a fruit of what's happening in our hearts. <clears throat> Matthew 12, verse 35 to 37. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This, these, uh, these verses have always put a soberness into my heart. Remember when I said here a few minutes ago, let's examine our speech from the last week. We can hardly do that. In fact, we can't. Yet, Jesus, the judge of all the earth, says here, every idle word men may speak, they will give account of in the day of judgment. I feel it's, it's even deeper than what we see here. I feel it's because what's happening in our heart is what, is what our mouth flows over. And this is why we'll be judged by these words. And another thing in this verse is, he says, "Good treasures and evil." Is there anything as something in between? What is what is the word evil here? If I just speak just speak about money and economics at all at at all times, or what I just said, all kinds of chatter, cares of this world. Where do, in which category does that fall into? <clears throat> There's something to say about the Lord doing a work in a man, in a person's heart, and the joy of the Lord coming forth, bubbling over. As Jesus said, we'll read that later on. Jesus also said in Mark seven twenty, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. What comes out of a man, defiles a man. <clears throat> Henry, Matthew Henry puts it this way. Man's language discovers what country they are of, like where they're from. Likewise, what manner of spirit they are of. It's pretty strong. He's, he basically says, if you listen to a speech, you can figure out of what spirit they are from. And there's, only, there's only a good and a bad spirit. The heart is the fountain. Words are the streams. A troubled fountain and a corrupt spring must send forth muddy and unpleasant streams. Nothing but the salt of grace cast into the spring will heal the waters season the speech, and purify the corrupt communication. An evil man has an evil treasure in his heart, and out of it brings forth evil things. lusts and corruption, dwelling and reigning in the heart, are an evil treasure, out of which the sinner brings forth bad words and actions to dishonor God and hurt others. Let us keep constant watch over ourselves that we may speak words agreeable to the Christian character." <clears throat> words are definitely, like I said, it tells of what's going on. And at best, we can examine our speech and find out what the treasure of our heart is. If a person blesses others with his words, it brings forth life. A reflection of what God has done in his life. Amen to that. A reflection of what God has done in his life. When God's word fills us, our words pour out and over like blessings into people's lives. So it's a prayer that we should pray every day for a refined speech that is acceptable to God. Because when our speech is refined, our heart will be refined too. Words can heal. Words can inspire. Words can lift up the downcast soul. Words can restore. When the living word indwells us, our words reflect the grace and the love of the person who directs us. Now, you've noticed that right along that line, not only is our word being refined, but our character is being refined into the likeness of Christ. The word, the living word, when the living word indwells us, our words reflect the grace and love of the person who directs us. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So going back to verse 14. Let the words of my your side, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I look at the prayer and I see a soul that is desiring in prayer and song to bring adoration to someone that is bigger than himself, his Lord. You can feel the heart of a man that seeks the Lord come forth in that plea. So, having said that, let's examine the, the whole Psalm, Psalm 19, and see the heart behind the prayer. What creates such a heart, such a, um, a prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you. First, I believe there's a life behind it. A life that is dedicated to the Lord. So let's look at them. <clears throat> so number one. It's recognizing the omnipotence of our Creator God and seeing the beauty and the evidence in the creation all around us and worship Him as such, especially after realizing what He has done for us. Then there is no excuse there anymore. So let's read verses 1 to 6. Psalm 19 verses 1 to 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament show his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words, the end of the world. It is the firmament. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. It's rising us from one end of heaven and it's circuits to the other end and there's nothing hidden from its heat. The wonder of heaven alone declares who God is. And every day has something to say and the glories that are demonstrated at night make him known. If you ever want to take some time well, it's winter time coming on. Go observe the night sky. And also read into it what you see. At first impression, we won't know anything. We'd say what we see is like maybe a thousand miles off. But the majesty... That is just demonstrated in creation. We could go on for hours and hours about the universe. It's mind-boggling. And it in it it declares. Now just think about it for a moment. The universe is so majestic to us. Well, how then, how majestic is the creator then? We cannot even fathom the sun. It's light out there. You got daylight. It's a burning star. We can, we can hardly understand how this works. Or the orbits, how everything is in its place and rotates at the right angle. If the, the rotation or the angle of the Earth would change, it would be catastrophic. But everything is kept in its place. It's just like we heard in the opening. Realizing who we are without Christ. And knowing who Christ is. That is God in flesh. That came to save us. Should make us marvel. So as we look around. We see the handiwork of God. It should make us. It should humble us. That we are serving a God. Of such a capacity. And that he has chosen us to have a relationship with him. Of knowing him. That he has given us the opportunity to come into prayer. onto the throne of grace. That he hears and even listens to our prayers. That he is sensitive to all our need. The psalmist is marveling in verse 4 and 6. At the works and functioning of the Son. The power and the timing where it's obvious that there is a handiwork of a majestic God. All the firmaments, as mentioned verse 1, declare incredible creation and design. A believer will see that and will be humbled time and time again by the God that we have the privilege to serve and who has redeemed us. Now again, we can take all these truths for granted. We can try to come up with some kind of explanation, which it might be accurate, and we can just ignore him. But why ignore the blessings that he has given us to reveal who he is? Because I tell you what: One day, when it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, it will be very, very real to us, how majestic and how righteous. And how good he is. So we're much better. If we take attention and focus on these things now. In the time of grace. Another attribute of the believer. Is that he will delight in the love of the Lord. He will be fascinated by it. And we're going to read on verses 7 to 11. When we draw nigh unto God with all our heart we will be excited to discuss and learn more about the word of God. We will pursue God's people gathering where the word is being studied and discussed because we love the word. We'll give the word ample opportunity to do its work in us as it's written in Hebrews 4:12. Psalm, 1 Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law in his law, he meditates day and night. <clears throat> the word of God is not a piece of knowledge that is used for, just for discussion. The word of God is powerful. In Psalm 119, 105, Your word is a lamb to my feet, To my feet. And a light to my path. And a light to my path. So as we recognize the power of the word. We see the value of it. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. Now as we read through these verses. Can we make these confessions? Do we see... That the law of the Lord is perfect. Like I said, so many times we take it for granted. What we have right in the word of God. The testimonies of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than are they than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. So you can feel the passion that he had for the word of God, and the statutes of God, the commandments of God. And... This has to be the testimony of a believer who has seen the power of of the word of God at work. When we are consumed by the power of God, we see that the law is perfect. We realize that we can trust in him. We find that his statutes are right and pure. And if we live according to them, we will see our path clearly rejoicing as we go. Um, Like I just said previously in that one verse, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path and we can we again we can examine our lives with that how many of us spend time every morning reading the word of god on our own in prayer and meditating knowing that is a lamp unto my uh, to my feet and a light to my path See, we we can take all these little track records of our lives and we can make a very accurate evaluation of where we're at with the Lord. Especially, as I've said before, we're living in a time and age where we try to convince ourselves of these things, but They're not necessarily true. We like to say we love the Lord. We like to say we love His Word. We like to say we have a burden and a passion. But what does the track record show? Paul commands us to examine ourselves to see whether we are in the faith. And this is how we do it. Another one is the fear of the Lord, having a holy reverence for God. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So David also talked about a fear of the Lord here. He said it's clean, enduring forever. The Ten Commandments teach us to use the name of the Lord, to not use the name of the Lord in vain. And we teach it to our children to train them up in the Lord. But where it really carries fruit. Where it's really powerful. Is if it happens out of a heart that has a holy fear and a reverence for God. Once that young, that child comes to the understanding who God is. In fact, that commandment is actually more serious than we realize. See, usually we see the Ten Commandments, it's only the first part there. Like we see it on the wall. We, may, we see plaques. We see, we see a lot of it. Exodus 27 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Just think about all the... the irreverence there is nowadays towards God. In action, in, um, in speech, just think about it for a moment. He is still the same God. Just because Jesus came and made a way so that we have a, a way to come to the Father, to the throne, doesn't mean the holiness of God. Is any less? He just made a way so that we are accepted in His holy presence, as He said, "Without holiness, no one shall see the Lord." Well, Proverbs fifteen thirty three: The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Okay, the final one: There is a desire to be free from sin. Hidden sin, and deliberate or presumptuous sin. Verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Or NLT says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Who, unless the Lord does his work, unless we're careful, lest there's a fear. And he goes on, cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have the minion over me then i shall be blameless and i shall be innocent of great transgression so it's a clear mark of a believer that is drawing near to god will have a line in their life that they don't cross because of sin sin is not something we taste to see how it actually is at will but it's something that we avoid at all costs. Sin always destroys, sin never builds, it always destroys. Otherwise, if sin wouldn't be that bad, Jesus would have never had to come. Romans 6 1 talking to believers here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not how shall we who die to sin live any longer in it first thessalonians 5:22 abstain from every form of evil sin is what separates us from god a person that clearly desires to follow christ will have a they'll have a um, what's the word they will recognize what sin is, they will avoid it, and they'll, have a, they'll even have, there's a certain fear that's there. And not as much of the sin, but a fear of being separated from God. Every destruction of a person or downfall of a people, a nation, was because of sin. A believer that seeks the face of God will start to recognize that truth and abhor sin at all costs and if we, we if we don't make these lines in our lives, we're playing with it. and we let down our guards and I, I say all that. remember talking about the last verse i, I quoted the the last verse verse 14 i went to the top how does that happen in our life and sin will certainly certainly create a blockage for our words to come forth as pure clean or our meditations be pure our hearts be pure Sin is the enemy. Sin sin is the disease. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Christians, beware lest you think lightly of sin. Take heed lest thou fall little by little. Sin a little thing? Is it not a poison? Who knows its deadliness? Sin a little thing. Do not the little foxes spoil the grapes? Do not the tiny coral coral itself build a rock which wrecks a navy? Sin a little thing? It girded the redeemer's head with horns and pierced his heart. Could you weigh the least sin in the scales of eternity? You would fly from it as from a serpent. Look upon a sin as that which crucified the Savior, and you will see it to be exceedingly. Sinful. End quote. So, in summary, <clears throat> to that chapter, there is a deep reverence to God, the first section, first few verses. There is an expression of love and reverence for his laws, his statutes, commandments. There is a fear of God. And at last but not least, a plea for protection from sin, a plea to stay away from sin especially deliberate sin. And interestingly enough, this outline parallels with the Lord's Prayer. Not 100%, but basically. So let the word of my mouth, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. This reflects a life... Of a person that loves his Lord and God. May, it be, may that be our prayer that our words will be acceptable in his sight. It is said that for the majority of us, it is far easier to control one's actions than one's words. Now, if you don't believe it, read James 3. For in James 3, chapter 2, there's just one verse, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. One of the promises that Jesus made in John 7, 38, 39, He who believes in me, as the scriptures had said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But as he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So even though some might be able to control their words better than others, our words need to be anointed with life so that they are acceptable in his sight. That can only come from the life of God, Jesus on the throne, in our lives, doing his work in us. And finally... May our inward thoughts and meditation be accepted before God. This caution is very necessary to preserve us from presumptuous sins, which after their first rise in the thoughts, then proceed to words and expressions before they break forth into action. James 14, 1st Chapter, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desires has, has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings, brings forth that. <clears throat> the standard of holiness that even cleanses the mind. This is the standard of our believer. It cleanses the heart, the mind, our actions. Many times that is what we struggle with, to have pure minds in return, meditate on the Word and on the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 8, 9, verses 4, 8 to 9, that'll be the final verse. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So amen. May we do these things so that the fruit of our lips so that the fruit of our lips bring bring forth life in our homes, in our children, and in the church. Amen. mm <sighs>